welcome. Please stand by. was deep in the desert, minding my own business. And it came to that time when your water runs out, you didn't bring rations, and at that point, unintentionally, you're most likely lost. And you can start to call the whole experience a vision quest. And I suddenly came upon this person with a very, very long beard. And they greeted me and asked me what I was doing. And I said, I was busy, so busy that now I'm waiting for the planet, or time, or some higher power to watch over me, or a force to guide me, to step in and take over the situation because I was too tired of looking for a sign. And the person standing there, they said, oh, you're one of those. And it could have been because I was on the verge of heat stroke, but it kind of angered me. It really did. I was in the endless vastness of nowhere, and suddenly to be minimized so easily. And I said, what? How do you know? What is it that you do that makes you think you've got all the answers? And they said, because I help build houses. I am the foundations. And suddenly, I was launched into a memory of childhood at a time when I was in my bed. The night before, I was going to open a lemonade stand and I couldn't sleep because I didn't know what I was going to do with the millions of dollars I was going to make that very next day. Because making money as a nine-year-old is stressful. There are endless paths one must choose. What was to happen to this pile of money I was to make? Was it going to go toward the evil robot warlord that taunted me in the toy store window? Or was I going to stick it in an IRA? Maybe beating the market and lead to my retirement in five years when I was ancient and can live off various capital gains as a 13-year-old. You see? There's always a constant struggle of breaking things down, constantly weighing into what has more meaning. That evil warlord robot, it was remote controlled, so maybe not that evil because it depended on the person who had the controls. And the most evil thing I had done was stick my tongue out at a barking dog. So perhaps the evil warlord robot's potential would be wasted on me. So, I flipped over onto my other side and thought about retirement. When people don't move as quickly, your worth in the capital world around you is diminished, and society puts you on a symbolic island where they help pay for hip replacements and teeth and get you discounts. But it's up to you to get through the majority of the day by reaching for that pile of money you're told to create starting in kindergarten. 
And all of this made me sigh. And I wondered, what? What the hell was it like for other nine-year-olds? And then, what about other people in general? How does it all begin? How do we all begin? Those foundations, your flooring, that you build, that your house of life builds upon. And at that point, my memory ended, and I came back to the present. And the person with the beard was now a person with a child at their breast. And they started the conversation back up by saying, before I go, it must be known that everyone has cracks in their foundation. Some are so severe that they push the psyche into escaping to more solid ground. Those people that never stop pushing, so afraid of looking back at what they ran from, that they keep onward in the never reaching ascent of perfection and self-fulfillment and self-gratitude and peace. Often you see it in artists like painters or compulsive comedians or even athletes. And then there are others with cracks, but perhaps not as deep, but many over a lifetime. And for those, there's not exactly a push forward, but a steady forward approach. And the cracks splinter off into a lifetime of doubts, pain, and create a callus of the soul. Yet because they've never exactly pushed through to another level or driven themselves to great heights, they have the quiet life of inner desperation that often gets quoted by a highly published author with no film adaptation to their book yet. And let it be known, upon these two foundations mentioned, you find the different homes built by life. The first, mansions or an island, or maybe an exposed brick loft with cool track lighting. Sleek, but secluded, isolated from everyone. And in the second, a studio apartment with a window, maybe a one-story bungalow and a nice grill, perfectly replicating everything else surrounding it nothing drawing attention. And those, those are only two in an endless quantity of possibilities, an infinite version of cracks. And the figure then pulled the child from their breast and wrapped back up and said, so that's who I am and that's all I can tell you. And for a long time there was a silence and they smiled as if waiting for my response. And all I could do was just surrender to the moment. And I looked down at my shoes and mumbled a thanks and waited for them to finish. As I sat there bowing my head, after what seemed like days, but probably seconds, dehydration does that, I looked back up and neither the bearded nor breastfeeding person was there. Instead, it was a sign that said, exit trail soon. And I thought about my childhood and that memory of a lemonade stand that left me with great disappointment because I had only made $2 before the neighborhood bully knocked the whole thing over and took the money. And it became such a catastrophic event in my life that I went on to run a national chain of Johnny's lemonade drive-thrus, made millions of dollars and lived in a mansion on a hill, 
but went bankrupt because of a bad batch of lemonade at the factory that sickened millions. And after the court settlements, my wife, also sickened by my failure, took the rest, but left me with enough for a one-bedroom bungalow that I lived in till last week when it burned down in a faulty barbecue accident, destroying the unfinished great American novel that I was working on until writer's block destroyed my confidence. And so it just sat there in the corner taunting me every day that I woke up for 10 years. And that's why I don't hike anymore. Because I expected a higher power, like a helicopter, to watch over hikers. Isn't that where taxes go? Or a force to guide me, like a GPS, which didn't work and was one of the selling points on my expensive phone that I can't afford to upgrade. And there aren't enough clear signs. And the trails are actually getting too crowded with too, too many strangers. Probably failed philosophy majors. And somehow they bring up painful memories and disrupt my peaceful thoughts to come to some answer. Which is why I went hiking in the first place. But I came to a conclusion. I think the answer is, I need to start to learn to take a punch. That's what life's really all about. So, I'm gonna avoid the trails. And on Monday, start taking boxing lessons. This has been another episode of The Flypaper Podcast. Music provided by Black Ferns at blackfernsmusic.com. To learn more about this podcast, go to theflypaperpodcast.com. Thank you for listening to the Flypaper Podcast. Stories from a world that doesn't exist, which means scientifically, it has no matter. Or you could simply say, it doesn't matter. Until next time, stand by. This has been an episode of the Flypaper Podcast. Music provided by Black Ferns at blackfernsmusic.com. Please help elevate this podcast. Leave a review. Until next time, stand by. Stand by.